I'm, I'm hoping through uh, much of this year for Sunday nights to be able to study uh, some of the people that are found uh, in the scriptures. I have always enjoyed the opportunity to look at various people as recorded for us in the scriptures and whether they be people who show uh, a victorious faith or whether they show uh, reveal a people who are uh, you know, failing in faith. E- either way, there is so much to learn from uh, these people, not only in how they live their lives and either show great faith or perhaps they fail in faith, but through either of those circumstances, you are seeing a God who is working and transforming people. And, and for tonight, I wanted to just spend our, our time talking about Esau, but I want to look at him through the lens of the writer of Hebrews. Now, uh, if you've seen in the advertising on, on the, the screen, I'm wanting to do Jacob uh, somewhere toward the end of summer that we'll get to look at his life. And being able to bring in Esau right now is is useful because the, the tandem of Jacob and, and Esau uh, is a lot about how you see God operating for his people and how he still operates for his people today in terms of faith. But if you have your Bibles, well, for tonight we'll be in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 15 through 17. We're going to be really in two passages. We'll be in Hebrews 12, and then we're going to have to go over to Genesis and look at some of the things there, and we will move back and forth between the two. So if you have bookmarks, uh, that'll be useful for you tonight with our two texts that we're going to use. But the first one that we're going to look at uh, is Esau and, and how the writer of Hebrews presents this has always been fascinating to me because he simply writes, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Now, what I want you to think about for a minute in the life of Esau is that is probably not how we would tell his story. We would probably tell his story that poor Esau... Jacob kept swindling him left and right. How unfair of his brother. And we should have sympathy for Esau because Esau loses his birthright. He loses his blessing and it's all because of Jacob. And so, you know, we would expect it to be by faith Esau and scoundrel Jacob. And yet I want you to notice that that's not what the text does with Esau. Esau is presented in a way that describes a failing to obtain The grace of God. Isn't that interesting? That's what verse 15 says. That's how he starts this paragraph. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And then he starts describing that. Roots of bitterness or sexually immoral or being defiled or being unholy like Esau. He failed to obtain the grace of God. And he uses this picture here of who sold his birthright For a single meal. And so I want us to spend a minute looking at how that scene unfolded because it is a very short scene that is given to us in Genesis chapter 25. Now, as I said, 
you can, mark, mark Hebrews 12, because we'll come back. We'll be back and forth. But I want you to look over at Genesis 25. And notice this very short paragraph that's given to us. It's the first story that we are given about the life of Jacob and Esau together after they are born and their interaction together. And we're told there in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. And therefore his name is called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Let's, let's stop here for a minute because we don't have a good connection point with what the birthright is all about. We don't have such a thing. And so understanding this interaction that the two are having and what Jacob is asking for is really important. First, and if you've grown up in the pews, you might know that their first facet of having a birthright has to do ultimately with an inheritance. In fact, I would submit to you that the easiest thing to think about in hearing birthright is just here inheritance. That, I think, is our closest connection to what this looks like. And in the ancient world, you would divide up the inheritance into portions of one more than the number of sons that you had, with the purpose of giving a double portion of the inheritance to the oldest son. So in this instance, we only have two boys, Jacob and Esau. And so the whole inheritance, when Isaac is going to die, is going to be divided up into thirds. And two-thirds are going to be given to Esau because he is the oldest. By just a moment, remember they're twins. Remember Jacob's following right behind. Jacob is only going to receive one-third. And so first picture that's being given here is that when Isaac dies... You're going to get the lion's share of the inheritance, the most important parts of that inheritance. And notice that's what he is asking for. You're going to receive twice as much inheritance. And I want that for me instead. There's also a second part to the birthright, this inheritance that is equally important, is that that firstborn status, which meant... The family line is going to come through you and you're the head of the family. That is a very important role. And that's one of the reasons why the double inheritance was given to the firstborn is so that the lineage could continue. He has the vast majority of the inheritance and the wealth and can continue the family line being that firstborn. And now he will become the head of family. So I want you to hear what is happening in this scene right now. Esau comes in and he says, I'm exhausted. Can I have a bowl of that stew? And Jacob says, sure, just give me all of the extra portion of the inheritance that you would have received when Isaac dies and the rights to be head of family and through whom God is going to bless. So you would expect verse 32 to say and Esau said are you nuts <laughs> I mean you want me to give up all of the future inheritance that is rightfully mine as the firstborn son as well as family rights head of family 
all of those things you want me to sign off and give over to you. It's just a meal. Verse 32. Esau said, I am about to die. And what use is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. I want you just to get a sense of what is happening here, because the idea of trading your future inheritance for a single meal is supposed to be outrageous. It's supposed to be ridiculous. You're going to be hungry again in four hours. You, you're, you're, you're giving all of your future away for just something that's going to give you a, a moment here. And what should have been the obvious answer is no way. And I want you to think about why would Esau do that? He knows what the inheritance is. He knows what the birthright means. He knows why that's important. He knows what all that is about. Why would he do something like this? And there's one answer that's obvious by logic and as well as told to us in the text. He just didn't value that inheritance. That's how it ends. He despised his birthright. He doesn't care about that inheritance. It doesn't possess value to him. It's not meaningful to him. He doesn't hear the words, give away your inheritance and and future of being the head of the family and all that is right to you and go, that's asking way too much. He says, meh, well, if I don't eat, I'm going to die anyway. (laughs) I can relate to to Esau, right? I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. Yeah, well, are you willing to throw it all away for a simple meal? What he does is he shows contempt for what is promised to him. Now, here's what I want you to observe in thinking about what is happening here. Now, keep your hand in Genesis and let's roll back over to to Hebrews for a minute, because I want you to notice something fascinating about how he puts this together. You will notice in Hebrews chapter 12 And in verse 16, it makes that point and reminds us of that very scene that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. And you could understand if that was the end of of the point. I mean, don't be unholy and despise your inheritance for a single meal. I mean, it's a great sermon sitting right there. Why would you do something like that? And we'll make that point in a minute. But notice he's not done. Look at verse 17. For you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought it with tears. Because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. Now, we need to understand a little bit of what is going on in this scene. And here is the thing that I think is particularly striking about this is you will notice that the writer of Hebrews in verse 17 does not say, and Esau wanted to inherit the blessing, but couldn't because Jacob stole it. That's not what is said. When you read Genesis 27, that's what it looks like. 
If you remember in Genesis 27, and if you don't remember, you can scan your eyes there in your Bibles in Genesis 27. You have Isaac who is of such an old age now that he is unable to see well at all. And he knows that his time of death is coming soon. And so he needs to put his affairs in order. And by putting his affairs in order, he needs to then give the blessing to his children. And so he tells Esau, go and hunt and make me that amazing savory game stew that you always make for me. And you go hunt and you, when you come back, I'm going to bless you and we're going to get down to business of, of dealing out this inheritance as rightfully it should. And Rebecca hears that. Now, I don't want you to get too much on Rebecca. I'm going to spin that kaleidoscope in a future lesson a little bit. But Rebecca hears that and tells Jacob, you need to get in there and get that thing. <laughs> and you can only imagine what that would have looked like. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to make this stew. I'm going to make it just like your dad likes it. And we're going to make you smell like Esau and feel like Esau. We'll get some goat hair and we're going to stick it on your arms. And you are going to trick him completely. And so Jacob comes in and, and Isaac is like, how are you back so fast already? Oh, God's blessed me. I've gotten ready Ready with this game? Well, you sound like Jacob. And like, oh no, it's me. So he feels his arms and yep, it's as hairy as a goat. So it must be him. And so he goes about blessing Jacob. And Esau then comes back. And it says that Isaac begins to tremble violently. And tells Esau, I have already given out the blessing to Jacob. Rather than to you. And it is at that moment it says that Esau is pleading in tears. Is there not a blessing for me? And the answer is no, I've given it to your brother. And he gives him what blessing he can give, which would have been given to like the rest of the sons, but not that firstborn son blessing. Now, I want you to pay attention to how Esau and Isaac think about this scene. In Genesis 27, verse 34, when Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me to my father. But he replied, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. So he said, isn't he rightly named Jacob for he cheated me twice now. He took my birthright. Hold on. Now, I want to stop it and walk into Esau for a minute and go, actually, he didn't, did he? <laughs> he didn't take your birthright. You sold it to him. You gave it away is what you did. But notice Esau's perspective. Esau's perspective of he is a swindler. He is deceitful and he is rightly named swindler, heel catcher, deceiver, cheater. Jacob is his name because he's cheated me twice. Well, now he has taken my birthright. Well, not exactly. But then notice what else he says. And look, he's taken my blessing. But the writer of Hebrews would argue with that. Because the writer of Hebrews says, no, he was rejected. The writer of Hebrews comes along and doesn't say, poor Esau, he was cheated twice. No, he says, here's what happened. Esau sold his inheritance 
for a single meal. And because of that, when he wanted to inherit that blessing, he was rejected. That that was God's doing. God was not going to give it to him, even though he sought it with tears, even though he wanted it. But there was no opportunity to undo what he had done. There was no place for repentance for him. So here's what I want to do in talking about this scene with Esau. Is I want to talk about one big idea with three applications to it. But I want us to notice that the writer of Hebrews in talking about Esau is making, I think, a fascinating point, which is this. Don't look for God to bless you when you hold his eternal inheritance promises in contempt. This is an interesting thing that we have the tendency to do. We live our lives not caring about our future inheritance. We don't, we're not moved by it. We don't live by it. We do what we want to do. We live for ourselves. We don't live in view of the future inheritance, but we think that God should bless us now. God should be blessing me and taking care of me, even though I'm not living for that future inheritance. I'm holding it in contempt. I don't value it. I don't uphold it. And here is the picture that's being given. Here is Esau. You didn't value the future inheritance. And because you didn't value the future inheritance, you're not receiving a blessing. You are rejected from receiving that very blessing. And yet so often that's what we want to do. We want to throw away our eternal inheritance that's been promised to us, living how we want to live, doing what we want to do. But somehow God's got to validate that. God's going to bless me anyway. He's got to agree with the way I'm living my life. And God doesn't do that. Why would God bless our lives when we're not living for the eternal inheritance? You know, Jesus said it. He just said it in the other direction. Seek first the kingdom. And then all these things will be added to you. But we want to read it, seek first our desires, and God will keep blessing us with everything else. No. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't operate in that way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things then are going to be added to you. But Esau chose the stew. And then he was surprised. That he was rejected from receiving the blessing. And I'll state this one other way and then we'll take on our applications. You can't look for God's blessing when you don't care about the inheritance. If you don't care about the future inheritance. Then why would you look for the blessing now? Why would you care? And why would you think that God is looking upon you favorably? When you're showing contempt for the future inheritance. All right. So three applications with that. Number one, most obvious on the board. Do not live for instant gratification. Because it robs you of God's blessings. If you make decisions for the right here and right now. You will always end up trading The priceless eternal inheritance of God. God is always putting forward to us that your decision is either one of the two. 
You are either going to live your life making decisions that revolve around receiving the future inheritance, or you're going to live your life making decisions on your present physical desires. And the two cannot come together. Even Jesus said, you cannot serve God and serve mammon or wealth, the things of this world, the physical things. You can't do it. It's not possible. And here you see the same picture given to us. There's only two ways to live life. You're only going to make decisions for the future inheritance that God has promised in all of eternity. Or you're going to make your decisions based on what you have right now. And friends, this is exactly what Jesus was getting at in in Matthew 7 verses 21 through 23. When he says, there's going to be so many people who are saying, Lord, Lord. But they're not entering into the kingdom. In Jesus' own words, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many are going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's the same picture. You are claiming that you have a future inheritance, but you're not living for it. You think that there's something out there, but that's not the way you're living. You're living for the physical. You're living for the now. You're buying the the stew, the single meal, rather than valuing the future eternal inheritance. And unfortunately, we so often confuse our fleshly urges and desires with eternal importance. You see it in Esau. In the moment, that meal had eternal importance to him. It was everything. It was all he desired. And yet he failed to see how he was throwing away the blessings of God. So number one, do not live for instant gratification because it's going to rob you of God's blessings. Which leads to the second point very closely, and this can be a hard one, especially in our world right now. There are decisions that we make that will forever change the direction of our lives. One of the things that the writer of Hebrews is driving at here is this warning to not fail to obtain the grace of God. Don't fail to receive what God has offered by unholy living. And now I want you to notice what the writer of Hebrews points out in Hebrews chapter 12. And you'll notice that what it says there in verse 17, when it says that when he desired to inherit the blessing. Okay, stop. Did Esau want the blessing? Yes. In fact, the rest of verse 17 says, though he sought it with tears, he really wanted the blessing. But here's the point that God's getting at. That decision couldn't be undone. That decision could not be undone. And sometimes we fail to realize that we make decisions that often have lifelong ramifications. 
We would like to think that the decisions that we make in this life are of no consequence. But friends, every decision that we make has a present physical consequence as well as a future eternal consequence. We just don't think of our decisions that way. But every decision has a present physical consequence as well as a future eternal consequence. And so often we want to think, well, these things aren't going to matter. We live in a culture right now. I should be able to do whatever I want to do without consequence. God did not make the world run that way. (laughs) It just doesn't work like that. There are consequences for all of our decisions, every decision that we make. And when we don't realize that, we will make the choice for the short term, the physical, the single meal, the stew. And not realize we are trading out eternal future inheritances. And so it's an important picture that is given to us. Is we don't think about how our sinful decisions can absolutely ruin everything. We can just bury our lives by making decisions for the physical rather than the spiritual and you see it in the life of Esau the decision that Esau made at the time when he made about that birthright that clearly did not seem to be a big deal to him he was I mean there there's no there's no bartering there's no let's can we lower the price some you know he's like sure he didn't see the the gravity of this decision but God was enforcing that decision. Choose righteous living so that you're not shut out of God's blessings. There are decisions that we make that forever change the direction of our lives. And I would probably guess if there was like open forum and I ask all of you who've been on the earth for a while to raise your hand and say you have experienced what happens when you make bad life decisions or you have seen in the lives of others what happens when they make bad life decisions. You would probably be able to raise your hand and go, yeah, there are things that you can choose to do that cannot be undone. There are decisions that you can make that will forever change the future of how you're going to live your life. I have, it breaks my heart, so many friends of mine that I grew up on the pews with for 18 years who made some pretty bad decisions and that forever changed their lives. And they're so far from God, they probably can't see him. They are so far from God. But we sat in the same pews every Sunday, hearing the same lessons, going to the same Bible classes, having the same get-togethers, had all the same kinds of experiences. But you make a few decisions and move your trajectory the wrong way. And you can sometimes find you can't fix that. And that's where Esau's at, which then leads to number three. Number one is don't live for instant gratifications because it's going to rob you of God's blessings. Number two, the decisions you make affect not only now, but affect your future. Third question is very simple. It's the title of the lesson. What is eternity worth? What is the value of eternity? What is the value of your eternal soul? And I would just ask, is your eternal inheritance worth 
the single meal that the devil is offering to you. This should be how we weigh temptations. This should be the calculation that we are making. Is here is Satan saying, here is the single meal temptation for you. Why don't you go ahead and enjoy it? And the lie that he gives to us is, it has no effect on your eternal inheritance. It won't affect that birthright. It will have nothing to do with that. Uh, yeah, it will. And it will also affect the blessings. It affects everything. But we so quickly want to exchange the birthright away. We want to throw away the inheritance. And the warning that is being given to us here is don't exchange not only the present blessings of God, but also the future inheritance that we are to receive for a moment of sin. Because that decision is as foolish and as illogical as what Esau did. Esau said, well, I'm hungry, so I need to eat. And he threw it all away. And how much and how often we do the same thing. We say we have our desires. And so we need to engage in them. And we throw away everything that God has to offer us. I think about the words of how Esau put it to Isaac. And I think about what that would sound like on the day of judgment. Now here we will stand before God. And we might want to say, oh, well, we were cheated out of our inheritance. But you know what God's going to say is, no, that's not what happened. You sold it. You exchanged it. You traded it away. You held it in contempt. You did not value the inheritance. It's not because of everybody else, Esau. It's not what everybody else did to you. You made a choice. And you didn't value the inheritance. And so I would ask you, what's the value of eternity? What's it worth? And what's the value of your soul? And may we not be like Esau, who simply threw it away. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, forgive us for how many times we take our eyes off of the inheritance that you have promised to us. Forgive us for how often we do not value that eternal promised future glorious inheritance. Forgive us for how often we trade it for a momentary physical desire and don't see the surpassing worth of you and what you're offering to us. Lord, not only do we want eternity with you, we want your blessing. We hold on to your promises that says that if we will seek you first and seek you with all of our heart, that all the rest of these things will be added to us. And so, Lord, we pray for that. We pray that we would uphold what you have promised to us with great value. Help us to see that eternity is worth it. 
remind us when the time of temptation comes that this exchange is a bad exchange. Help us to say no to those temptations. Because, Lord, we want you and only you. And we know that eternity will be worth any sacrifice and any suffering that we may experience. So, Lord, help us in our walk with you. Draw us closer to you. And bless us today. And, Lord, we look forward to eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. What a picture Esau is. I would not have written Esau's story that way. I would have said, poor Esau. And God said, no, no. He made a choice. And we get to make a choice. What will you choose today? Will you choose to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart? And to value the great inheritance that's been promised to you if you will trust him and follow him, love him and seek him? Will you turn away from sin and see the eternal weight of glory that's promised to you? Can we help you in any way? Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?